Our scripture reading today comes from the gospel according to John, and I invite you to stand in body or in spirit in honor of the reading of the Lord's word. Hear these words from John chapter 6. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. You may be seated. Well, friends, I, um, we're beginning a series for the rest of the summer on the I Am sayings of Jesus, a bunch of uh, which it's all about Jesus telling us who he is. Uh, and after we hear what Jesus tells us about who he is in August, we're going to spend some time listening to what, who God says we are. And uh, so that's what we're going to be doing the next few weeks. And today we've started with, I am the bread of life. Now, as long as I've lived in Georgia, which is my whole life, uh, I've been aware of one thing above all else, above all else and I'd consider it a truth as universal uh, as gravity. It's this, if there is the possibility or the mere hint of snow, the shelves at Kroger and Publix will be bare within six hours. <laughs> and do you know which items are gone before all others? You, milk, water, toilet paper, and bread. You guys are ahead of me. You've seen the grocery aisles picked over in this scenario, I'm sure. The bread aisle looks like a ghost town with nothing left but a few hot dog buns, because who wants those? And why? Because bread is essential. It's important. It's been essential for a long time time. When, when Adair and I first started dating, we went to visit her sister and brother-in-law in Winston-Salem, and she said we needed to take Nelson, her brother-in-law, something. I said, yeah, let's, let's stop. We can get him a gift card or something. She goes, no, we, we have to take him bread. And I said, what are you talking about? She says, he loves bread. <laughs> and so sure enough, we stopped at a farmer's market, bought a fresh loaf of bread, and I said, are you sure? And she said, yes. We pulled up, and I'd never met him, and I got out of the car, and I shook Nelson's hand, and I said, oh, we brought you bread, and he lit up. And I think I've been his favorite ever since. Nelson <laughs> loves bread. For Nelson, bread is essential. It's important. And in 2018, archaeologists discovered in Jordan the oldest piece of bread ever discovered. It's 14,000 years old. It doesn't look good, <laughs> uh, but it's there. And that means that before humanity was starting to engage in widespread agricultural practices, we were baking bread. And in Scripture, bread is a constant. As early as Genesis chapter 14, before God's covenant with Abraham, a priest meets Abraham and gives him a blessing, and he brings with him wine and bread. Y'all are good. Bread would eventually become an essential, not just for the consumption, but also for early Hebrew religion itself. According to Exodus, when the Hebrew slaves finally had freedom from Pharaoh, they had to leave quickly. So they baked flatbread called matzah because they didn't have time for the dough to rise, and our Jewish friends still celebrate Passover today, also called the Feast of Unleavened. Later, when the Israelites are in the wilderness and complaining that they don't have any good food, we should have stayed in Egypt, they said. God hears their complaint and gives them quail in the evening and manna in the morning. And what is manna? Bread. You guys are on a roll. That was, that was way better than 8.30. Um, Manna, bread from heaven, or bread of angels, as they called it. 
And this bread, this essential, would keep them going for a long time. The psalmist would remember this and praise God saying, you make bread which sustains the human heart. So now you know the scripture authors spend a good time talking about literal bread. The same thing we clear the shelves of when inclement weather seems on its way. It's essential. But as scripture develops and the Hebrew religion takes shape, bread begins to be not just a tool for consumption. It's not just something you eat but it's a symbol of deeper things. The writer of Proverbs says this, don't go on the way of the wicked. They eat the bread of evil and they drink the wine of violence. He also writes this, he mentions the bread, there's such a thing as the bread of idleness. Isaiah at one point mentions the Lord gives you the bread of adversity. And Hosea mentions something about the bread of mourners. Of course, I don't think there's such a thing as evil bread or idle bread or sad bread. You're not going to find it next to nature's harvest or the hot dog buns. But I do think there are actions we perpetrate and thoughts we dwell on and events that occur in our lives that can fill us up and lead us up or down paths that begin to shape us. And ultimately, I think God and the scripture writers are trying to get us to the understanding that we become that which we consume, or as the phrase is commonly uttered, we are what we eat. I wonder if those same writers, the authors of Psalms and Proverbs, I wonder if they saw us today, I wonder what kind of bread they might think we are consuming in our families, in our churches, in our culture, in our nation, in our politics. I wonder if they might say, share some proverb or phrase about the bread of resilience or care, the bread of compassion. Or I wonder if they would mention the bread of division and fear, the bread of indifference or tribalism. Indeed, Jesus takes a look and sees a world much like ours today, a world in need of a new kind of bread, the only bread that anyone will ever need again. Now, it makes a lot of sense that before the I am statement, before this statement that Jesus makes today, Jesus has just shared and broke literal bread with a lot of people. You remember what happens. There's this giant crowd of people and they're getting hungry and the disciples ask, how can we ever have enough food? What are we going to do? All we have is five loaves and a couple of fish, but they watch as Jesus blesses the food and then they end the meal with more than they started with. And after lunch, Jesus says to his disciples, don't spend all your energy chasing temporary things like perishable food. The bread we just ate was good, but there is a better bread. And the disciples say, okay, I'm in. What is this? We we want to talk more about it. We want in. Help us understand. And Jesus says, the core message I want you to hear is that the Father is offering a new, unique bread from heaven, a bread that is here and now. And the disciples continue to be a little confused. They look at each other. So Jesus just tells them, okay, spoiler, I am this bread. I am the bread of life. The person who comes to me hungers no more. Jesus says it again in verse 48. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness and they died. I am the bread that comes down from heaven so that whoever eats from it will never die. I am the living bread. Whoever eats this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. But he doesn't stop there. He keeps going. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me lives because of me. Of course, Jesus is not talking literally, although Some enemies of the early church would think so, and they would label Christians as cannibals. They didn't get it. No, Jesus is, of course, foreshadowing the meal he's going to share with the disciples in the Last Supper, but he's also telling the disciples that they've got to have a steady diet. 
of him, meaning the things he has done and said and commanded, they need to maintain and continue their relationship with him, which would spill, should spill out to others. Jesus is their essential. And hopefully, if they feast on the bread of life, they will become what they eat. Jesus hints at this earlier, a few chapters earlier. The disciples are getting hungry, and Jesus says to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And they respond, you brought food? (laughs) We're getting hungry, and Jesus tells them, I'm not talking about literal food. I'm talking about spiritual food. And I am fed. I am nourished by doing God's will and completing God's work. And I would like you all to be nourished in a similar way. In other words, do the things I do. Fill your life with the things I'm talking about. Follow me. I am the bread of life. I am the only essential you will ever need. So fill up on this kind of bread. One of my favorite old preachers is is a guy named Leslie Weatherhead. And he says that this is the very heart of the Christian religion. Jesus is what bread is to the body, what light is to the eyes. Can the body find strength by exercise? If food be denied, can the eyes be made to see if light be denied? Can the soul truly live by its own willpower and good resolutions without any help from heaven? This is, after all, what we ask for every week. I don't know if you know that. When we pray what we just prayed together, the Lord's Prayer, we ask God to give us today our daily what? Or did you think you were just talking about physical sustenance? No, you're asking Not just for that, but you're asking God every week for the very bread of life. Give us today the bread of life today and each day that we might be transformed from the inside out so that we might become what we eat. It turns out that the best bread is right in front of us. Of course, there is a catch. There always is. Once a month we come to the table where Jesus took bread, gave thanks to God, gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Jesus' suffering and death on the cross, his broken body and his resurrection on Easter morning have done away with death and destruction and sin and its power forever, but it was all done away, it was all done away through sacrifice. It was through selfless giving, it was through a suffering body, it was through the very breaking of the bread of life that God accomplished God's goal. Which means to me that if I really want to follow Jesus, if I want to actually consume and and look more and more like the bread of life, which was broken, which was given, then I might have to follow the same path as the broken bread of life, one of humility, one of sacrifice, and one of giving of myself. But here's your warning. Once you consume that broken bread of life, you begin to look a little bit more like Jesus, a little more like forgiveness and grace and mercy and love and justice. Your life starts to transform and change, and you are not the same after that. But I'm curious, is that really something we actually want? As we celebrate Father's Day today, I've been reflecting this weekend on my dad and and my grandfathers and and many others who have been father figures to me. And forgive me if I've shared about him before, uh, but I was thinking yesterday about one of the greatest father figures I've ever known, and that was my uncle, my great uncle, Ben, Ben Alexander. Uncle Ben was a a Methodist pastor in Tennessee. I know, big shock there. Um, 
He died at the age of 95 a few years back. He's one of the kindest, most humble people I've ever known. And near the end, I got to learn a few things I, I didn't know about Ben. I learned that, that after attending seminary and before his career in ministry, I learned that Uncle Ben served as a chaplain in the Navy. He served toward the end of World War II, and then later he would serve in Korea as well. And during World War II, he was stationed in Hawaii and then in Shanghai. And while he was deployed, he did a lot of normal pastor things. Weddings, funerals, pastoral care, sermons, worship services. But he also experienced some difficult things, he said. Actually, this 25-year-old from Corinth, Mississippi, saw things that were hard to see. He saw brutality and death, but more than that, the thing that got him and changed him was the incredible hunger and poverty that he saw around him. He witnessed what takes place in people when there is not enough food, when the shelves are bare. And Ben saw where he was stationed that often the first to suffer were the children, and particularly where he was the female children. Ben saw the innocent suffer and he couldn't understand. And after a steady diet, of the bread of war and death and grief and suffering, Ben lost his faith. He lost that which he had worked years, the first few years of his life, and gone to seminary for. He was the lowest he'd ever been. After all, how could a loving God allow this? He was in darkness. That is, until he visited a tiny church in the morning. He said there was a young lady who was leading a children's choir of little girls and he sat and listened to the music and he said something stirred within him. And for just a moment he was no longer eating the bread of war, but rather a more life-giving bread. And later on he met that young lady who was directing that little children's choir and he learned her story, he learned about how A missionary couple had left everything they had ever known and opened an orphanage in the war and that they had found the young children's choir director as a little girl without family, without food, alone, and they took her in and they gave her shelter and a bed and they loved her and they fed her and they saved her. This couple had had a steady diet of the bread of life for so long that they became what they ate And the broken bread of life changed and transformed them, and they had to share that bread with anybody they could, and they chose to with those that needed it the most. And they sacrificed much so that a bunch of orphaned girls, including this choir director, might simply know life and feast on the same bread. And so Ben heard her story, and when he heard it, he received a taste of of a bread he had not eaten for a long time, and once he had a little bit, he didn't want anything else. And for 70 years after that, until his death, he fed on nothing else. He saw the truth of the bread of life play out. And it's like Kathy and Henry sang earlier in the third verse of that song they sang. They sang, love grows in a weary world when hungry hearts find bread and children's dreams are fed. Love grows in a weary world. The promised feast of plenty come. May you trust that Jesus is the bread of life. May you know that a steady diet of this bread is indeed essential 
to knowing an abundant and full life. May you see that bread at work in the world around you. May that same bread that was broken take, take shape in your life and shape you. And I pray that you are and that you will become what you eat. Let us pray. Gracious God, this morning we're thankful for spiritual nourishment. We're thankful for those who sit with us, in front of us and behind us, who gather with us because we believe that you are who you say you are, that you are the bread of life. And God, you have called us to follow in your footsteps. God, may we trust that. May we continue that steady diet of that bread and may that bread shape us into who you would have us be. In Jesus' name, amen.